Section 1, Chapter 4 of The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus by L. Frank Baum. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jadopi. Section 1, Youth. Chapter 4, Claus. Another day found Nasil's Bower the most popular place in the forest. The nymphs clustered around her and the child that lay asleep in her lap, with expressions of curiosity and delight. Nor were they wanting in praises for the great act's kindness in allowing Nasil to keep the babe and to care for it. Even the queen came to peer into the innocent childish face and to hold a helpless chubby fist in her own fair hand. "'What shall we call him, Nasil?' she asked, smiling. "'He must have a name, you know.' "'Let him be called Claus,' answered Nasil, "'for that means a little one.' "'Rather let him be called Neclaus,' returned the queen, "'for that will mean Nasil's little one.'" Footnote. Some people have spelled this name Nicolaus, and others Nicolas, which is the reason that Santa Claus is still known in some lands as St. Nicholas. But, of course, Neclaus is his right name, and Claus the nickname given him by his adopted mother, the fair nymph Nasil. End of footnote. The nymphs clapped their hands in delight, and Neclaus became the infant's name. Although Nasil loved best to call him Claus, and in after days many of her sisters followed her example. Nasil gathered the softest moss in all the forest for Claus to lie upon, and she made his bed in her own bower. Of food the infant had no lack. The nymphs searched the forest for bell-udders, which grow upon the goa-tree, and when opened are found to be filled with sweet milk. And the soft-eyed does willingly gave a share of their milk to support the little stranger, while Shiegra, the lioness, often crept stealthily into Nasil's bower and purred softly as she lay beside the babe and fed it. So the little one flourished and grew big and sturdy day by day, while Nasil taught him to speak and to walk and to play. His thoughts and words were sweet and gentle, for the nymphs knew no evil and their hearts were pure and loving. He became the pet of the forest, for Axe Decree had forbidden beast or reptile to molest him, and he walked fearlessly wherever his will guided him. Presently the news reached the other immortals that the nymphs of Burzee had adopted a human infant, and that the act had been sanctioned by the great Ak. Therefore many of them came to visit the little stranger, looking upon him with much interest. First the Rills, who are first cousins to the wood nymphs, although so differently formed. For the rills are required to watch over the flowers and plants, as the nymphs watch over the forest trees. They search the wide world for the food required by the roots of the flowering plants, while the brilliant colors possessed by the full-blown flowers are due to the dyes placed in the soil by the rills, which are drawn through the little veins in the roots and the body of the plants as they reach maturity. The rills are a busy people, for their flowers bloom and fade continually, but they are merry and light-hearted and are very popular with the other immortals. Next came the nooks, 
whose duty it is to watch over the beasts of the world, both gentle and wild. The nooks have a hard time of it, since many of the beasts are ungovernable and rebel against restraint, but they know how to manage them after all, and you will find that certain laws of the nooks are obeyed by even the most ferocious animals. Their anxieties make the nooks look old and worn and crooked, and their natures are a bit rough from associating with wild creatures continually. Yet they are most useful to humanity and to the world in general, as their laws are the only laws the forest beasts recognize, except those of the master woodsman. Then there were the fairies, the guardians of mankind, who were much interested in the adoption of claws because their own laws forbade them to become familiar with their human charges. There are instances on record where the fairies have shown themselves to human beings, and have even conversed with them, but they are supposed to guard the lives of mankind, unseen and unknown, and if they favor some people more than others, it is because these have won such distinction fairly, as the fairies are very just and impartial. But the idea of adopting a child of men had never occurred to them, because it was in every way opposed to their laws. So their curiosity was intense to behold the little stranger adopted by Nasil and her sister nymphs. Claus looked upon the immortals who thronged around him with fearless eyes and smiling lips. He rode laughingly upon the shoulders of the merry rills. He mischievously pulled the gray beards of the low-browed nooks. He rested his curly head confidently upon the dainty bosom of the fairy queen herself. And the rills loved the sound of his laughter. The nooks loved his courage. The fairies loved his innocence. The boy made friends of them all, and learned to know their laws intimately. No forest flower was trampled beneath his feet, lest the friendly rills should be grieved. He never interfered with the beasts of the forest, lest his friends the nooks should become angry. The fairies he loved dearly, but knowing nothing of mankind, he could not understand that he was the only one of his race admitted to friendly intercourse with them. Indeed, Claus came to consider that he alone, of all the forest people, had no like nor fellow. To him the forest was the world. He had no idea that millions of toiling, striving human creatures existed, and he was happy and content. End of chapter 4 Recording by Chidopi www.publicdomainaudiobooks.blogspot.com